Invisibility is something that is way too common amongst women all over the world, no matter where we live. And as we are currently talking about suicide prevention, this is a very, very timely conversation to be had. So what if we told you that you could, in fact, banish invisibility once and for all to become invincible? 29 incredible women action takers from all over the globe have moved from being invisible to becoming invincible. Today, we're going to be talking to the amazing woman behind all of this. She is Linda Sunshine West, and she brought this group of women together to share their journeys in the book called Invisible No More, Invincible Forevermore. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with this incredible story. You have a story, a story that is unique, a story that needs to be heard, a story that people care about, so it can get them to stand up for what they believe in. It can inspire them to change. It can inspire them to take action. It can inspire them to care, care enough to be the light to someone's darkness, care enough to extend a helping hand to someone who's down and out. Care enough to call things the way they are and see them for what they could be. Your story can make a difference. Your story can save a life. Your story matters. One story changed the entire world. Your story could do the same. All you've got to do is own your story. If you're just joining us, welcome to Books with Brigetti. I'm your host, Brigetti Limbada from Cape Town in South Africa. Our stream is made possible by and live media helping the owners make live videos. This is an audience-centric show. So if you are watching us on Facebook, on YouTube, on LinkedIn, um, over on Twitter or on Amazon Live, Please feel free to say hello in the comments, drop us a line. Um, if you have a question for our featured author today, Linda Sunshine West, please do that as well. Um, and if you are brand new to the show, if you've never seen us before, feel free to just say that you are new in the comments and we will be happy to give you a shout out. A little bit about our featured uh, author for today, Linda Sunshine West, known as the queen of collaboration. And I can tell you that she certainly lives up to that, that name. Uh, Linda is also a speaker, a six times best author. She's a mastermind facilitator, an executive film producer, a red carpet interviewer, and she's also the founder of the Women Action Takers Movement. At the age of 51, Linda faced a fear every day for an entire year. That takes a whole lot of commitment. But in doing so, she gained a lot of confidence and uses that confidence to make a positive impact on the planet. And I can tell you personally, she absolutely does that. Linda's mission is to help 5 million women entrepreneurs share their voice with the world through her mastermind, through co collaboration, 
projects, podcasts, and events. And I can tell you, Linda is a powerhouse of a woman. She also believes in cooperation and collaboration. And I can personally attest to that as well. So please help me give a warm welcome to Linda Sunshine West. Linda, it is magical to share the space with you. Um, welcome to the show. So glad to have you join me today. Thanks, Brigitte, for having me. And um, you know, I, it's funny as you were reading my bio. Here's one thing that I've learned: is that you know our bios are forever growing and changing. You know, if we're doing things in our lives and our business, and that six times best-selling author, like that's old news, man. I'm an eleven <laughs> times best-selling author and international best-selling author. So <laughs> I got to update that thing. Thanks for letting me see that. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the list just keeps, keeps growing. Yes. You know, I, I, we've known each other for, for a while and it's been amazing to see, to watch your journey, to see you grow, develop into the dynamic powerhouse of a person that you've become. And a lot of it started with facing your fears so shall we start there um sure. you know how we all have fears i have fears uh i don't you know we all want to become fearless and that's what the conversation is kind of about and that we can step into that fearless zone but how do we start we have to start somewhere and you started with the year of fears tell us a little bit about that yeah. And first, we all have fears. Yeah, I don't care who you are, what stature you have. You're a human being. And as human beings, we have fears. The question is, what do you do with the fear when it shows up? Right. So for me, I spent the first 51 years of my life allowing fear to stop me from living. And at 51, what was different then is I hired a life coach and my life coach helped me to realize that that I was letting fear stop me. So when I was done working with my life coach in 2015, uh, January 1st of 2015, I was 51 years old. I woke up that morning and I said, oh my God, I have so many fears. I'm going to do something different this year. I'm going to face a fear every single day. Now I had no idea what I was saying, <laughs> but I made a commitment and that commitment was to face a fear every day because fear was stopping me from living my life. So I started on that journey and I did 365 days in a row. I faced different fears and I'll just share like how that process was that I woke up in the morning before I got out of bed because, you know, that's when you're fresh and things are just starting right before I got out of bed. The first thing I did is I asked myself one simple question every day, 365 days. And that question was, what scares me? And the reason I asked the question is because what I learned, you know, through the working with my life coach and a lot of the readings that I've been doing these last several years is that you know, when we ask our brain a question, it tries to find the answer. So I asked that question and I waited till an answer came. Whatever was that very first response was the fear I committed myself to breaking through that day. Like that was my commitment to myself. 
And it was an incredible journey. I got to tell you, things started unfolding and fast and furious. That's why I mentioned my bio six times. Oh my God. That was like, that's last year's news, you know, because things are moving so fast. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I want to just touch on uh, you gauge the services of a life coach. Now, a lot of people may say, well, what's that? And, you know, it's for, it's, it's not for me. How can I possibly benefit from, from that? You know, tell us a little bit about how working with a life coach changed the tra trajectory of your life. Yeah. Well, first, you know, I was that person too. Like I didn't know what one was and uh, what happened was I was driving to work one day. I had worked in the corporate world for 36 years and those 36 years, I had had 49 jobs. So I didn't have a pension. I didn't have a 401k. I didn't have any security because when you start so many jobs, you just don't gain any security in the mm. job world. So I was driving to work one day and I was like, oh my God, I just, I hate this job. Number 49. I hate you too. You know, it's just uh, the corporate world was just not for me. And so as I was driving to work, I started asking myself a question that a lot of us ask at different points in our lives. And I just happened to be 51 when I finally started asking that question of like, what's the purpose of this planet? Like, why am I on this planet? I have no value. I have no purpose. There's really no reason for me to be here. I don't get it. That's what I was saying to myself on my way to work that day. Well, when I got there, there was a Facebook post that I, you know, I've logged into Facebook and there was this post from this woman that I didn't know. And it said, I'm a life coach. I took some time off. I'm getting back into it. And I'm looking for five women who want to change their life. So it wasn't the life coach part that stuck with me. It was the who want to change their life. Just that morning, I was wondering, like, why am I even here? Here's this life coach. I don't know what that's all about, but I want to change my life. So I raised my hand and I said, I'm in, let's do it. I have no idea what's going to happen, but I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> that, that is amazing. But then you also, you know, you also had to take the action to contact um, a life coach and then to embrace what the life coach was advising. So all of it was, it's all about, uh, uh, taking action one bite at a size or one bite at a time, um, you know, to be to be practical. And so you moved from this book um, of, you know, looking at one fear at a time. Um, and you went from there to interviewing people on the red carpet to becoming an executive film producer. Um, having your own mastermind, now having become, you know, a best-selling author 11 times. Can you t talk us a little bit through that journey? Because for some women out there that in the space where you were, they may think, well, that could never happen to me. Could you talk a little bit about, you know, what the journey has been like for you getting to the you are now? And you did it in a relatively short space of time. Yeah, it really was uh, really fast. And I got to tell you, the catalyst to all of that that you mentioned, the red carpet, I interviewed the president of Mexico, the country, Vicente Fox in his presidential suite. How does stuff like that happen? You know, that was never, never, ever on my mind. 
It was never even something I ever imagined that I could do because I lived like, just like you said, you know, how could that happen for me or what have you? I lived in that life of, oh, that's for them. That's for those people. Like, don't even think about it, Linda, because you're never going to be that person. You know, I lived in, that was where my mindset was for so many years. And so when I started on the journey of facing a fear every day, that's when it all started you know, happening. That's where it all started unfolding. Because remember, like you mentioned, I was taking action. Women action takers is all about taking action, you know? And that's like the premise because I realized that every action that I took got me to where I am today. It, like mm -hmm. you said, take it just a little step at a time, right? One little fear at a time. Sometimes the fears that I break through are so small, but they're astronomical in the end. And so they do, they do um, add up to, you know, add on to each other. And so um, how did I get on the red carpet? Well, that actually goes back to 2015, the year I was facing a fear every day. I was about seven, eight weeks into facing those fears when I attended an event, a vision board seminar where people get together, they clip out uh, you know, pictures in magazines and they create this vision board. Then they, you look at that vision board and eventually you create you know, what you create in your life, the things that are on your vision board, like the law of attraction, using all these, you know, different techniques that people use. So, but I didn't create a vision board. There were speakers at the event and I sat and listened to the speakers instead. That was just what I was more interested in. The last speaker that day at that event, his name is Greg Reed. And actually he's on my book, The Year of Fears. He wrote the foreword, you know, because you know he's my, he ended up becoming my mentor. So anyway, he spoke on stage and this guy really moved me into action just by his speech. What he said, he motivated, moved me into action. And I took action and the action was to attend an event that he was hosting. Very expensive event. But first, I didn't want to attend because I was like, that's a lot of money. I'm not going to pay that kind of money to an attend event. That's ridiculous. My life coach was with me at the event and she looked at me square in the eyes. I, I swear she got like two inches from my face and she was like, you don't understand. You have to be there. And I was like, OK, whatever she says, I have to do something. I did it because she saw in me way more than I ever saw in myself. And so I just had to trust that she knew that something was going to happen while I was at that event. So I went ahead and bought the ticket. It was one of the greatest, greatest things I've ever done for myself because it, it wasn't about the event. It was about what unfolded at, because of the event. Like the event was a catalyst to all of this. The year of fears was a catalyst. So many catalysts that I have that made all this happen. So I'm at the event. It's called Secret Knock. And uh, it was March. It was March of 2015. I'm two and a half months into facing a fear every day. On the second day, at the very end, one of the speakers, his name is uh, Frank Shankwitz, who you know, recently passed away. But he's the founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. He was up on the stage and he was speaking, you know, giving his talk. You're talking about his story about how the Make-A-Wish Foundation was created. And at the very end, it was these last words that he said that really made me see that I'm different, just like everybody is different. He said, if I can do it, everyone can be a hero because he's always called a hero for the, the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And I, I literally sat there in my chair and I said to myself, am I a hero? 
can I actually be a hero? And I said, yes, I am a hero to somebody. I am a hero to somebody. Realizing that we all are a hero to somebody. Can we be a hero to somebody's? Yes, we can. But we have to take paths you know, to make that happen. So it was in that moment that I realized that I am no different than Frank Shankwist, the founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, no different from all the other people that were at their, that event, the president of Mexico. I am no different than him. The only difference is that they took a different path than I did. And I was not living at my best, like my highest and best person who I am on this planet. And it was time for me to step into that and start moving that way. So anyway, the third day of that event, again, you know, I'm like breaking through all these fears. The third day of that event, I decided I was going to ask him to be a keynote speaker at my event, Frank Shankwitz, the founder of Make-A-Wish. So I walked up to him and, and he was in an, he was in a circle. I, I call it the circle of death because they're like all over like six foot six tall and I'm five foot three. And, and they were shoulder to shoulder, these four men having a deep conversation. And I just walked up there and I stood right next to Frank. It was so rude and obnoxious as I look back at it, but I had a goal in mind. So I just stood there and I stared up at him. My fear that day, by the way, was to ask Frank Shankwitz to be the keynote speaker at my event. That was the fear I was facing that day. So I had to make this happen. So I'm staring at him. And then suddenly, like maybe 20, 30 seconds later, he looks down at me. He goes, oh, hi, hi, little lady. How are you doing today? Like that. And because he, he was like a cowboy, right? And so I said, Frank, you're going to be the keynote speaker at my event. I can't wait to talk to you about it. Like I just like blurted it out. And he goes, excuse me, gentlemen, I'll be right back. I'm going to go have a, a chat with this little lady here. So we went out and talked for like 30 minutes. He asked me lots of questions. I asked him questions. And that was the start of the relationship. So my point here is that there are a lot of people in our lives that we maybe are fearful of talking to. Maybe we're scared to ask them something. Maybe we're scared to tell them what we're up to. Just go do it. Just go do it. If I didn't ask Frank that question, what would have happened with my life? I don't know because I did ask the question. So I went in. Asked him the question. We had a conversation. He was, we had a, a gentleman's handshake that he was going to be the keynote speaker at my event. But what started to unfold from there was absolutely incredible. You know, he ended up being in my first collaboration book called Momentum, as well as some other people. But then you, you, know, you mentioned in my bio, you know, executive film producer. That's for a, a story, a movie called Wishman. It's the story of the making of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. I ended up becoming part of that because of that relationship that I created with not only my mentor, Greg Reed, but also with Frank Shankwitz. And I have this book here, The, um, the Year of Fears. This was my, my first solo book, my first and only so far solo book, but it's signed right here. You see that signature? That's signed by Brian Smith, who's the founder of Ugg Boots, who also became a friend of mine. These people would not have become friends of mine had I not taken that first action step of saying, okay, I'll go to this event. I'll see what it's all about. And my life has totally changed because of that. That's how I got on the red carpet. That's how I got, I interviewed the, you know, the president of Mexico is all because I said yes to that one event, Secret Knock. It's amazing. You know, just simply being willing to put yourself out there. And it's something I've learned as well over the years. You know, for some reason, we seem to be afraid to, to just ask one question and what is the worst thing that can really happen is 
the worst thing is that somebody will say no. That really is the worst thing. So, you know, what are we really afraid of? Um, putting ourselves in front of people. And the way I look at it is that, you know, no matter what stature people hold in life um, or what degrees they have or whoever, they are just people at the end of the day. You know, it may just be an, a degree or experience that sets them apart, but there's nothing else that makes them any different from you and I. So if you want to ask, approach someone, don't hold back. Just ask. I mean, look what happened. Look how your life has changed from asking yeah. that oh one question. Yeah, because, you know, being on the red carpet, I mean, that, again, that was something that I, it was never in my mind ever because that was for those people and it ended up happening. And then, you know, I interviewed Wesley Snipes, you know, American actor and, um, you know, Randy Jackson, you know, on, on um, American Idol and Jack Canfield, you know, the chicken soup for the soul. One of the co-authors, I also interviewed Mark Victor Hansen, the other co-author of chicken soup for the soul. And, you know, these are people who have made really big strides in this world. And I could have either let fear stop me from not and not done it. Or I could have said, you know what? I've got fear. I'm going to do it because I'm scared, which is my mantra. I do things because I'm scared, not in spite of the fear, not you know to to break through it, but it's because I'm scared. Because I know this is one thing I've definitely learned is through facing those fears. Is every time you break through a fear, you know what? You might have the same fear again, but at least you broke through at that time, and then you don't know yeah. the results you're going to get from it. But there was something you said. What's the worst thing that that can happen? They can say no. Well, the word no exactly. from other people, it, it's them setting a boundary, really. Really, the word no from other people is them setting a boundary. Now, think about this. When people say no to us, what really is the worst thing is our ego is deflated. So we need to get our ego out of it because our ego is what's making us not ask the question in the first place. If somebody says no, just move on to the next person. Is it really that, that hard to just move on? No, but we let our ego stop us from moving on. Oh, the next person might say no. And here's the other thing too. Last thing I'll say on this topic is that when we don't ask, we are already saying no. We're saying no for them. So right. I um, I was talking in a clubhouse room, which a lot of things happen on clubhouse. If you're not there, I highly recommend it. But one of the ladies in the clubhouse room was the VP of marketing for the company called Tiffany. A lot of people know of that company. It's a worldwide company. Tiffany and known for its high class. And I reached out to her and I said, Hey, I really love your story. Would you like to share your story in one of my collaboration books coming up? And she said, yes. And I said, Oh, also I host an event called women action takers will you speak at my event? She goes, yes, of course. My point is that I asked. And guess what? Now it's happening. It's that simple. It is. It really is that simple. And you know, the other thing I like to share with people often um, as well is to realize that when somebody says no, if you do get a no, um, realize that it's they say no to the situation. <laughs> not to you per se they're yeah. not saying no to you as a person so separate the one from the other because you know circumstances conditions change all the time a no today doesn't mean it's going to be no tomorrow so even if somebody does say no to you don't let that hold you back from asking them again and again and again because well, at some is, point yeah. things are going to change and they that no is going to become a yes 
Yeah, and this this is a great thing because oftentimes it's our technique that we use that causes them to say no. Uh, sometimes it's the situation. Sometimes it's the day. It's the time. You know, it's, it's the, there's so many different factors that go into it. So yeah, realizing that it's not uh, no is not always no. It sometimes it just has to change. And I'll give a great example. Sharon Lecter, she's the uh, co-author of Rich Dad Poor Dad series of books. Also, you know, a Think and Grow Rich for Women and Three Feet from Gold, you know, some of my absolute favorite, favorite books. And um, I was, I usually, when she comes into town, she asked me to come and help her out at her, her table and stuff. So I help her to sell her books and stuff, which is a tremendous honor of mine to do that with her. Right. And so I was talking to her and I said, Ooh, I'm going to ask her if she'll co-author one of my books with me. And uh, she said, no. And, and I, she said to me that, uh, you know, I get asked, you know, hundreds of times a month to do these things. So I have to be very specific to make sure that it aligns with my mission. Now, mm. that the way I approached her was a no, but exactly to your point, Brigetti, is about an hour later, I was talking to her. And, and so something came up about the book and how 100% of the net proceeds goes to a nonprofit that helps uh, helps uh, veterans, homeless veterans get off the streets. And she said to me, this was gold. And I want you to hear this loud and clear. She said to me, you should have started with that because my heart is for homeless veterans. The point here is that I can't do a cut and paste message to people and expect that everybody is going to say yes to the cut and paste. Some will, some won't. But if you really go to their heart, where is that person's heart? That's where you're going to connect. So if I had started with my message of like, I'm writing a book and 100% of the net proceeds goes to homeless veterans to get them off of the streets and into homes, would you like to hear about the project? She would have said, yeah, tell me all about it. It would have been completely different. Exactly. So I heard her loud and clear. And I'm telling you, whoever's listening to this right now, hear me loud and clear, especially if you want to get into the pockets of influencers. They are hit up. I was with Jack Canfield. You know, I took him to lunch one day and we were walking, you know, walking in uh, at this area. And I kid you not, he got hit up at least 50 times by people wanting a piece of him, a picture him to sign their book, him to autograph a book for them, you know, look at my product. Like he had so many things that people wanted from him. But when you get accosted like that 24 seven, you're going to put your guard up a little bit and be a little bit more cautious. Right. So how do we, as, as regulars, like regular people, how do we tap into them? We find their heart space and we go there first. It's so beautiful when you do this because you're way more likely to get a yes. Absolutely. I think is a golden piece of advice for anyone out there. So before you approach your, you know, the person you want to get on board a project, go do, do a bit of homework, find out where their heart is, find out where their passion is, and then approach them. Because you can, you can, you can ask a more, uh, you can get to the heart of the matter, as it as it were, and uh, get a yes more readily. I want to yeah. switch gears a little bit and move okay. on to um, your latest book, which is called oh. Invisible No More, Invincible for More. 
Um, and it's a collection of 29 people's stories, which is absolutely, I'm going to put you onto full screen for that, just so people okay. can see the book. Um, Invisible No More, Invincible Forevermore, an amazing journey um, of 29 women. So how did you convince the first person to come on board to buy into um, the story? Because it all starts with one person, right? You have to get one person to buy in. How did you get the first person to buy into this book? Well, I'll start with the first person was me. Like I had to buy into it. Right. And so what happened was one morning about 3 a.m., which seems to be my my God taps, you know, he taps taps at me at three in the morning. Wake up, wake up. I got an idea for you. <laughs> and so um, I was awakened and um, that title, Invisible No More, Invincible Forevermore, was in my head. Like I got to write a book about this and, and help women to share their stories of them going from invisible to invincible. So I was the first one. And, you know, this cover, I, I take so much pride in this cover because this was a vision of mine. And it's just, you know, a woman going from the dark coming into the light, right? She's out coming from the shadows into the light. And that's really what these stories are about. Brigetti's story is in here along with 28 other women that share their stories. And so that first um, buy-in, which uh, it's interesting because I don't sell any ideas to anybody. I talk about things. And if people are interested in joining, then awesome. Let's go. If they're not interested in joining, it's okay too. You know, But it's like I share the stories of what I'm working on. So the very first person I reached out to was actually an influencer because I know her. I've known her uh, for a couple of years. Her name is Forbes Riley. She uh, sells products. She sold over two and a half billion dollars worth of products on like QVC and um, home shopping channel. And, you know, I saw her as this person that, wow, did she ever feel invisible? And so I just. Oh, right. Because out. I mean, she's it's, she just seems like an unlikely person to exactly. ever feel invisible she's like i mean she's got a larger than life kind of persona and always in the spotlight exactly and that's why i was just curious uh, that question was so i just reached out to her and i just sent her a text message i said have you ever felt invisible and immediately immediately i got a phone call and she didn't text me back she dialed she goes are you kidding me i feel invisible all the time she said there was one instance where I was on stage in front of 10,000 people speaking. Like you said, she is larger than life. And I felt invisible. And so the key here is that it's not about being invisible. It's about feeling invisible. And so how do we move out of the, that state of mind that I'm feeling invisible right now and I want to feel, I want to feel invincible. And so what I found fascinating is that this woman who is like, she's on TV, she's in you know news, she's like all over the place. She's all over social media doing live videos. I don't know, she probably does 10 a day. You know, she is out there all the time. How is it possible because she could ever feel invisible? So she shared with me her story. And I was like, wow, I never saw it from that perspective. And it was so enlightening. And then she said, oh my gosh, some of my friends like Hollywood actresses I'm going to reach out to them and see if they want to be in the book too. You know, so it was cool because she said, I know that they feel invisible too. So it really gave me some enlightenment into, you know, my, my perception of people. We think, but we doesn't know. That, 
I know. I was just going to say that, you know, we kind of think or we assume things about people, you know, oh, she's rich or she's um, a red, you know, she's on the red carpet. She should be okay. It's like, you know, that person can't suffer, possibly suffer from um, feelings of worthlessness. But we don't know people's story. We shouldn't always assume. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so true. And a lot of those, um, those things that we see in them, they don't see in themselves. You know, that was like, and a great example, that was my life coach. She knew why I needed to attend secret knock. I didn't see that because I didn't see myself as having value enough to even attend. Right. But she saw it in me. And so oftentimes we see, we see the greatness in others, but they don't see it in themselves. I actually came up with a quote and that's to see yourself through the eyes of others for others see the real you with the caveat, only those who see you in the positive light. Don't see yourself through the people with the negative light because what they're seeing is a reflection of themselves. So it's, I think it's um, an important piece here. This book, you know, Brigetti is way more than just a book. You know, this is, this book, like we're getting so many messages from people saying, I needed to read that story today. I was feeling very depressed. Um, I was feeling like one of them actually wrote, reached out and said, you know, I was thinking about committing suicide, but reading this book really helped me to see that there is hope. And so just that right there is the reason we, we wrote this book, you know? Absolutely. And it's amazing. Almost every time, you know, I've spoken to a number of the ladies in the book now, and every time I talk to another one of the authors, I'm so overcome with emotion <laughs> um, because every story is so very, very, there's no two stories that are alike. And yet it pull, it tugs at our heartstrings because at some level we can connect to every story. And, and I, what stood out for me about reading some of the stories and speaking to some of the authors is that sometimes you may not even have realized that you had gone through a similar situation because a lot of us suffer from cognitive dissonance where we we separate ourselves from situations that were uncomfortable and we don't want to remember them but when other people speak about it somehow all those memories come flooding back again yeah and you it's know, interesting because uh one of the chapters by um, Amy J. Morrison is called um, putting a spotlight on the gaslighter. And, you know, these it's interesting because I have these chapters memorized <laughs> pretty much, you know, but I didn't know until reading her chapter and I've read it many, many times. I didn't know until reading her chapter that my dad was a gaslighter. I had no idea. So read her chapter and find out what a gaslighter is and then also learn how to get out of that situation. Because these types of uh, people in our lives, they're not serving us, you know, and it's okay, we can get away. And uh, it's really interesting how the chapters, you know, just I was you reading them, some of them reading them with tears in my eyes, like I couldn't get away, like you said, they overcome with emotion, but it's good emotion because we're seeing that they went from that point in their lives to where they are today. And also maybe we're seeing in ourselves that I need to get out of the situation I'm in today as well to live that invincible mm. life. 
Absolutely. And Tish is just agreeing with what you're saying. She says sometimes it takes more than just a few times for it to click. You know, we, we don't always get it. And also a lot of terminologies um, we didn't have when we were growing up. I, you know, I didn't have it. You know, I didn't know the term narcissist or gaslighting, you know, or a lot of the other terminology weren't part of our vocabulary. And we didn't recognize that we were experiencing those kinds of relationships um, yeah. until more recently, you know. So it was quite a revelation sort of re realizing, oh, my goodness, that's me. I see myself in that picture. Yeah. And the word gaslight actually comes from there's a movie. I, I think it's in the 1950s. It's a movie called Gaslight. I haven't seen it myself, but Amy was telling me about it. And that movie right there is where the term came from. It was from that movie. So it's interesting how, you know, sometimes Hollywood will will direct, you know, some of the things that we say. Um, some of the terms we come up with will will stem from something like that. But really, you know, the the um, personality has always been there. It's just like, what's the title of it, right? We putting that title to it. Oh, that's a narcissist. Oh, that's a gaslighter. And, you know, or that's a, you know, all these kinds of terms that come up. And then we adopt those terms in our own lives. And it really helps us to be able to connect with others that are going through the same thing. I think that's really what really helps to, to make that connection with each other. Mm, absolutely. Now there's a lot of powerful stories of me personally, but can we touch a little bit on, on your story? Cause it opens up the book opens up with a very powerful um, chapter. Um, could you, could you read those first few lines in the book? Because I think they are, um amazingly impactful um so would would you mind of course i'd be honored well and here's you know here's the thing is this is my story all the ladies stories in here are true these are from their life their experiences and you're going from that place of invisibility and sometimes our invisibility starts at a really young age sometimes we move into it at an older age and it doesn't matter when it is just to know that we can move out of that into invincibility. So my chapter, you know, the rising sunshine is the title of my chapter because sunshine is not my given name. It's the name that was given to me just in the last couple of years during my personal development journey of starting with my life coach and stuff. So my chapter starts out, thank God the bastard is dead. Those are the first words my mom said when my dad took his last breath. We were in the hospital standing about 20 feet away from his hospital bed. Thursday night, he walked into the hospital having chest pain. Friday, after 86 heart attacks, around 4 p.m., he took his last breath. I called him dad, but really thought of him as a monster all of my life. He was an abusive alcoholic, and even though he stopped drinking 40 years before he passed away, he was still that bastard mom referred to him as. You may wonder why we allowed him to have 86 heart attacks before turning off his pacemaker. Well, mom was in charge, and for the 55 years they were together, every decision mom made was wrong. She was so wrapped up in being wrong and making the wrong decisions that she didn't want to tell the doctor to turn off his pacemaker. What a double blind indeed. So that's the beginning of my chapter. And you know, I know a lot of women are experiencing that, and my mom didn't know how to get out. 
I myself, I married somebody just like my dad, my first marriage. I was with him for two years. I had two kids. I had a four week old and a 14 month old when I literally walked out on him because I didn't have a car. So I changed my life in that moment to make that decision that I was not going to live my mom's life. We can make decisions like that right now in our lives. We have the power, the ability to do that. Sometimes we don't know who can help us, but just keep reaching out. There's somebody out there who can help you to change your life, to get out of the situation you're currently in. So Brigitte, I don't know if you wanted the, the interview to go there, but that's where we went right now because I felt called to talk about that. Now, absolutely. Um, you know, I think it's, I think your story is amazing on so many levels um, because a lot of women can relate to that. There are a lot of women in situations where they feel trapped. Um, and oftentimes it's because women have little children that they make the decision not to change um, and to stay in an abusive relationship even though it may be detrimental not just for them but also for their for their children and i'm not i'm not saying that you know you should go and rush out to get a, a divorce that that is an answer to to every situation every situation is different but if you are in, a, in an abusive situation where your life and livelihood and that of your children um, are threatened then you need to take a look at that and take some action to ensure that not only you remain safe, but that your children um, remain safe as well. So I'm glad that you did go there. Um, yeah, and, and you know, Brigitte, I'd like I'd love to address that because being a you know child of a volatile, extremely volatile, abusive alcoholic, as a child, you know, oftentimes parents will stay. Like my mom stayed with my dad because she didn't know how to get out. We ran away many times, but we always went back. Like we never were gone for more than a couple hours. And the mom would just drive us back home. And thinking about that, like when I look back at my past as a child, it would have been better as a child had I known what a loving household was like. Loving, even just having just a mother with five kids would have been better than living in a volatile household because that was the pattern I learned. I learned from the pattern that I grew up in. So oftentimes people will stay together for the children, but they don't realize is actually they're staying together and it's not really for the children because it's a detriment to the children or it can be a detriment. It doesn't have to be physical abuse to be abuse. That mental abuse, it can be the words that are said, it could be the way they're said, the conniving, you know, the uh, condescending comments. You know, my dad, the very first, the very last words he said before he passed away, were condescending to my mom, his last words. And so that was the way my mom lived for 55 years. That was the environment I grew up in. That was all I knew. So what happened, I ended up marrying somebody just like that because that's all I knew. I didn't know what real love was until I was 51 and hired that life coach. She's the one who taught me what true, true love is. And so the thing is that when we get out of a situation, I'm also, I'm not telling anybody to just leave. I'm not saying, I'm not even telling you to leave. All I'm saying is look at your situation and make a decision based on facts, not based on your emotion. Sit down and look at the facts and see if the facts are what will gear you towards making a change. Maybe it's just standing up and saying, you know what? I, I love you, but I'm not going to take this added, this um, abuse anymore. It's we got to change our lives together in order for me to stay. 
maybe that's what it is. It's whatever it is for you. There's no right or wrong from my perspective, right? But it's, it's finding help because sometimes we do need to reach out for help in order to get the results that we want to get. I have been reaching out for help for years now, and I am so glad that I'm open to that. It's changed my life. And, you know, if you're watching the show live or on the replay, um, I, I want to encourage you to read this collection of stories in Invisible No More, Invincible Forevermore, because it's, it's 29 different stories of women from different backgrounds and different situations. And chances are that, you know, if you're in any kind of abusive situation, you're going to be relating to one of those stories. And sometimes it takes a while, you know, we don't realize um, that we are, sometimes you don't even recognize that you are abused until somebody else points that out for you and so by reading the book reading the stories it's it's a way of helping you identify to see if you are you know do you identify with one of those stories with one of the women in there um and the great thing that i like that you have um gotten all, all the authors to put into the book is there's a way for people for readers to reach out to each author. Do you yeah. want to just tell people how that how that happens? Yeah, that's um, it was important to me because you know the the stories are impactful, and I don't want to like leave you hanging, right? Where you read a story and you just move on with your life. No, read the story, reach out to these women because when you first of all, I go from one perspective and then I'll go from the other perspective. First of all, by you reaching out and letting them know that their story has impacted your life. You're helping them realize how valuable it was for them to share their story. Oftentimes, people don't tell us how much we've changed their lives. And the other perspective is when you reach out and you know talk to them about how their story has changed your life, there might be a relationship that is created out of that. And maybe, just maybe, that's your lifeline to figuring out what you're going to do next, right? So when you're reading these stories, like you'll be, some of them you'll be like, oh, that's a cool story, and some you'll be like that's my story. That is my story. This woman's, I thank her for telling her story because it's helped me to see so much deeper into what I'm going through right now. Gaslighting is the perfect example of what you just said, Brigetti, because a lot of times we won't see what we're going through. And that's because we're too close to, we're too close to the forest to see the trees. And so when we are being abused, Oftentimes, especially in those um, narcissistic or gaslighting type of um, environments, it's a slow chipping away of our mental beliefs in ourselves. It's a such a slow chipping away that we don't see it happening. Next right. thing you know, we're being controlled. It's, in, it's insidious. Yeah. It's yeah. over a long period. It happens over a very, very long period of time. But it's those little things and it's so insidious that we don't notice it, we don't realize it. Eventually, you know, you the person gets you to start questioning your reality. You start wondering, did that event really happen? Or am I imagining it? And you start confusing reality with, you know, you you live in a state of confusion because you're constantly questioning yourself. Did I imagine that? Did it really happen? And if the person's constantly saying to you, you know, it's your imagination or you exaggerating you know it's a constant undermining of your thoughts and who you are 
and eventually you lose yourself completely. And Tish is just saying in here in the comments on Amazon um, that a friend of hers had finally made a decision after being in a marriage for 20 years that she needed something needed to change. Um, and she says, correctly, sometimes the person on the inside looking in does not see it as clearly as the person on the outside yeah. looking in. And that's why we're saying, read the collection of these stories. And sometimes even when we recognize what is what is wrong or that we're in an abusive situation, like we talked right in the beginning about finding a life coach, mm -hmm. we're saying if you resonate with a story in the book, reach out to the author of that story because sometimes you just need someone to say to you, you'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes that, that is all it takes. Somebody that believes in you and lets you see that there is a way out, right? There's that there is the way out isn't always leaving. Like I mentioned earlier, it's not always about leaving, but it's about changing who you are and, and stepping into that power that you have because you do have power, but you may have felt um, overpowered by the other party. Mm. So now it's time to say, you know what, I do have power and I'm ready to step into it. And I'm ready to say, here I am. And I want to change. I want to change this situation. I want to change my life. Let's do it together. Or I need to do it by myself. So I'll share really quickly. I gave my my husband what may have been seen like a an ultimatum by people. But um, there was a point in my life, my 49th job that I left. Um, after that, my husband and I, we sold the house that had been in my family since I was two years old. And he didn't want to sell it. And I said, you don't understand. I got to sell the house with or without you. Now, we had been together for over 25 years by that time. I love my husband. He's amazing. My second husband, not my first one. My second husband, absolutely amazing. And it was like I said, I was saying, I need a change. I cannot live this way anymore. So I am going to make a change. And it's either going to be by myself or it's going to be with you. And it wasn't an ultimatum because this was me stepping into my power and saying, this is what I need out of my life. Now, if he had said, it's going to be alone, go do it yourself. Then I would have owned up to that. And I would have said, that's it. That's what it's going to be. Fortunately, he said, okay, let's do it together. Let's make this happen. So I'm very fortunate to have the husband I do have today. Not my first husband, my second husband. <laughs> Well, that is, you know, and th and that's what it is like, you know, any partnership, we want to move together as one to be on the same page. And what an amazing blessing it is to have a life partner that's on the same page with you, where you can have the same goals, someone who loves you um, unconditionally, because we all deserve that. We all deserve to feel loved, to feel secured and that we're pulling together as a team. So if you're in a situation right now where you feel that, you know, your life, your livelihood um, feels threatened, it doesn't feel good, read the book, read the stories, um, reach out to one of the authors in there. As Linda said earlier, um, the website is on there for every single author. So reach out to the person that resonates with you because I can almost guarantee you that you resonate with one of the ladies because that's just how diverse the stories um, yeah. in the book actually is. 
you know. Linda, just before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share? Yes, definitely. Thank you, first, Brigetti, for having me and for all that you've done to help us to promote this book and the other books that we're working on. I truly am blessed and honored to know you. Um, one thing I would say is I know this is a suicide prevention. This is Suicide Prevention Week, which I think ends tomorrow, I think, but also it's, suicide I prevention. Think I think it's the whole month is kind the of whole month, yeah. awareness, you know, the, yeah. whole, the whole month. Yeah. Suicide prevention awareness. Yeah, so definitely... This book, uh, and this is not to promote and sell the book. This is to put the stories into people's hands. If you know of a like a homeless shelter or a battered women's shelter, especially, that's the one I really, really think about is, you know, buy 10 of the books and drop them off at the shelter nearby you, because there might be one of the women that's in that that shelter that could read the stories and be like, there is hope for me. This is not my lot in life. This is not where I'm always going to be. Sometimes we need that beacon of hope that helps us to see that this is a, this is not the permanent situation that I'm in, that there is a way out and I'm going to make a change in my life. And I just, just think, you know, just go and buy those books and, and deliver them to them and help to make an impact, a positive impact in their life. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for helping us to share this awareness about this book helping women to move from that place of invisibility into invincibility to live the life they are truly, truly meant to live. Absolutely. Linda, before we close, I want to acknowledge a comment made by Tish because it's, it's a very relevant uh, comment. You know, we've spoken about relationships, um, more in particular, relation, partnership relationship, husband, wife kind of relationship. But she meant she also Tish says on on Amazon she says yeah, it's not just domestic relationships, but sometimes it's work relationships you have to separate yourself from, and it could also be friend relationships. It could be any kind of relationship um, when the person is trying to um, to bring you down, and and you know that that relationship is not good for you. So any kind, of, and and the I think the book expounds on that as well. It's 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 any it applies to any kind of relationship you have with any kind of person whether it's work business or your personal love life it applies across the board yeah definitely and it's the um, I'm going to give it just a short short story I've got stories stories related to all of these things by the way and I don't think that's just any coincidence I think that's you know this book came together because of all these stories that I've experienced I was working one of my 49 jobs and um, this woman there, really, really sweet woman, just such a, a great, sweet woman. And her boss, a male, said something to her and I was standing there and I was like, thinking to myself, how is she taking that? Like, how can she take that kind of, you know, what he said to her? And I just looked at him. I said, you never speak to her that way again. And this is a, a boss and I had no right saying this, but I had every right saying this. I said, you never speak to her that way again. That was condescending and she is doing the best that she can. And I was so mad that I just walked away and I went to the, the boss's boss and I, I walked over to the boss's boss's office to tell on him. I was standing up for her. And he came running after me and he didn't know that the boss boss was there. So he thought he was getting away with something. And I went in there and I said, this gentleman, for lack, I'm going to say his name. I'll just say, call him John. His name wasn't John, but um, John just said this to Sue 
and it is unacceptable. And he came running in to defend himself. And she, of course, the boss took my side. The boss's boss took my side. And my point here is that she didn't recognize that he was talking to her that way. Just what Tish was saying. She didn't recognize it, but I did. And I stood up for her. And I got to tell you, things changed in that office. He was almost fired. You know, they flew in from Philadelphia to chat with this guy to tell him that this was unacceptable behavior. And because I stood up and I spoke up for her, you know what? I was shaking in my boots. I was terrified to do it, but I did it because I was not going to let her be belittled like that. It's inexcusable in any work environment. So if you're seeing, if you are witnessing it happen, speak up, speak up because that person that it's happening to oftentimes doesn't even recognize it's happening. We got to speak up for them. That's the only way they're going to gain that power back in their own lives is that we help them to get there. So go speak up for them. If you're going to get fired, don't risk it. <laughs> but I risked it because I didn't care. They could have fired me that day and I wouldn't care because I spoke up and I made a difference in that lady's life. And, you know, it made me think of a very important point. And, and Tish was kind of uh, was the one commenting here on Amazon that gave me thought is, you know, we have to teach people how to treat us right. Um, yes. And if, if we, if we don't set the tone or if we don't respect ourselves enough, other people are not going to respect us. And, uh, and, and here's a quick story. A friend of mine said, um, she commented to her dad, you know, her parents were married for like 60 years or something. And she said, she said to her dad, you know, um, I feel so sorry for mom, you know, because she watched her mom literally worship her dad all these years, picking up after him, you know, doing all these things. And, um, and he said, why? So she looked at him, she thought, like, you know, what do you mean? And he says, well, when we got married, she was picking up my clothes and she did this and she did that for me. And, you know, so what's the problem? She seemed to be happy with it. And she says it made it took a long, hard look at her own life. And she thought, do I want to be doing this 60 years from now? No. <laughs> and from that moment, she stopped picking up clothes from the floor she, you know, she told her family, if you want your laundry washed, put them in the laundry basket. And it took them all of about just over a week of not doing it and then running out of clothes to wear when they realized, oops, mom is actually quite serious. If I put it in the laundry basket, it ain't going to get washed. Exactly. So, so sometimes it just, it's it's taking that first step of action of respecting ourselves enough um, to make other people take the kind of positive action we want to get out of them. But it starts, as you said, the action starts with us. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! Okay, I'm going to share one one funny story. <laughs> you just made me think. You just made me think of one. I know we're almost out of time here. We're probably already out of time. But um, when my husband and I first got together, my my current husband, we've been together for 33 years and it's been 33 years of bliss mostly, you know. But when we first got together and we we moved in together, 
Um, I grew up with a clean clothes pile and a dirty clothes pile on the floor. Like that was what it was for me. So when I moved in with him, I had a clean clothes pile and a dirty clothes pile. One day he looked at me and he set a boundary, his boundary. He said, he said, when you get home from work today, if when I get home from work today, if your clothes are still on the floor, I'm going to just throw them away. Well, guess what? I didn't believe him because my mom and dad gave threats all the time and they never followed through. When I got home from work that day, all of my clothes were in the trash can. So I learned right then and there, and it was instant that, you know, do not leave my clothes on the floor. And I stopped just like you Now that was me. That was, I was an adult. I was 25 years old at the time or 26. And I was a grown adult and I was living my life as I had been living it for many, many years. So it changed and I don't leave my clothes on the floor anymore. I learned my lesson. <laughs> oh my goodness. And I just want to give a shout out to Freddie who's joined us over on, on Amazon. Thanks for stopping by. We're kind of at the end. So Freddie, you're going to have to watch the replay. <laughs> Yeah. We have been talking about mostly getting over overcoming our fears and then moving from feeling invisible to becoming invincible. Go and have a look at the book, please. It's a great book. Um, and not only will it's not only for women, but also even though the, the stories are about women and from women, believe me that there are men that can also benefit from these stories because the situations that talk about um, can happen to men as well. It's not just a woman's book. Um, do pick up the book and if you know, also share it, buy it for people that in your life, um, or if you want to buy a couple and give it to don't, you know, a shelter or people who need it. And one last thing before we close off. The proceeds, 100% of the proceeds of this book goes to a nonprofit called Dress for Success. So when you buy the book, you are supporting not just the women who told their stories, but you financially supporting the nonprofit Dress for Success. So with that, a huge big thank you to our audience. You've watched us on Amazon, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Thank you for having joined us. Linda, a huge big thank you. It was an honor to be able to share the same space with you and to share your story with others. So thank you, everyone. Stay safe. Until next time, we'll see you back again on Books with Brigetti. video content on their devices. BeLive Media helps brands position their products and services to people at a time and manner that's convenient to them. If you would like to reach your customers and clients and stay ahead of your competitors, then connect with us.